Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind. And Jingle Ride for the Minnesota Vikings, a year in which they rejoined the NFL's elite and stunned the football world with one of the great seasons of all time. He is throwing it back to Cunningham, the old flea picker, and is Randy Moss, and in the end zone is a Minnesota touchdown. Here's Cunningham back to throw it and going deep, and he's got Moss, and there's a flag on the play, and Moss has caught the pass and is in the end zone anyway. Touchdown. Just throw it as far as you can. This guy is amazing. Randy Moss is amazing. Randall Cunningham is yeah. amazing. And welcome in to Minnesota Sports Rewind, where we do deep dives into prominent Minnesota sports events, games, trades, moments, Anything and everything, and this is now a two-day-a-week show live on Score North, Thursdays, Tuesdays, and sometimes whenever we feel like it randomly like we did yesterday because they were rerunning the Monday night football game between Brett Favre's Vikings against his old team, the Packers. And you can find 15 or 16 episodes to binge right now. Anywhere you find podcasts, just type Minnesota Sports Rewind, Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. I'm Phil Mackey. That's Judd Zolgat. we got Declan Goff in the house here, and we will be joined by Jake Reed in about 30 minutes from now because this episode is all about the 1998 Vikings offense. We're splitting up 1998 episodes because it's impossible to cram it all into one. Off of that season. So we figure, let's start. Let's just start with the positive. We got a couple tweets as we teased this earlier today, like, oh, this is going to be... No, no, no. This is this is the good stuff. Yeah, It's not the Falcons game. No, this is, right. I mean, I mean that'll, that'll come up, but like, this is one of the greatest offenses in NFL history we're going to dive into here. At the time, the greatest. Correct. Without question. So, just to set the scene here, and then we will get into sort of where does it rank now historically and other key questions. The Vikings were coming off five playoff appearances in six years in the 1990s under Denny Green going into the 1998 season, but very little playoff success. And a lot of 9-7, and 10-6, and six, they were a really good, not great team throughout the majority of the Denny Green era to that point. Uh, in fact, they had, a, they had somewhat of a miracle playoff win in the Meadowlands the year before yes. when they scored like 10 unanswered points to come back, including an onside kick with like a minute to go. Yes. And, and so that was, that was fun. But I think it, it's fair, fair to say that those teams, while they were certainly solid teams and good teams, they were not what I would describe as an exciting team, right? Yeah. They were kind of a meat and potatoes team. Yeah. So you turn the corner to this high wire act. So they hit the plateau, and everything changes when they select Randy Moss in the 1998 NFL draft. He falls all the way down. And at the time, you kind of thought, boy, of all the things the Vikings need, I mean, they already have Jake Reed and Chris Carter, a couple thousand yard receivers. Chris Carter at the time was building a Hall of Fame resume. He had set the single season record for receptions a couple years earlier. So at the time, it was it was kind of like, wow. I mean, all right, whatever. Like, I don't know if wide receivers the number one need here, but Randy Moss is ridiculous and he fell. So a little bit of a risky pick in terms of off the field stuff at the time. But drafting Randy Moss gave the Vikings probably the most feared threesome of wide receivers in NFL history because you had Moss who went on to become. I would say the second greatest wide receiver of all time. Maybe the most feared wide receiver at his best. You had Chris Carter, who was on a Hall of Fame trajectory, one of the most reliable pass catchers in history. And then Jake Reed, who's going to join us, a guy who was coming off four straight thousand-yard seasons of his own. Plus, Robert Smith was one of the best running backs in the NFL. Randall Cunningham takes over for Brad Johnson 
early in that season because of an injury, and oh, you had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL as well. It's all a recipe for a 15-1 and finish. You scored 24 points or more in all of your games, including playoffs, and they set the NFL record for most points scored by a team in a single season. We all know what happened in the 1998 NFC Championship game, Judd, against the Falcons, but as far as this offense is concerned, it was the most exciting offensive season at the time in NFL history. Yeah, and so in week one of that year, it's uh, it's then Central Division rival Tampa Bay comes to the Dome. And the Vikings are playing the Buccaneers in that game, and I was at that game. And you knew that Moss was good. Like, you didn't know he was Moss, but you knew, okay, they've got Carter, they've got Reed, they've got this hot shot young kid. Brad Johnson, pretty good quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that game, to me, at least locally, served notice that this was going to be different. And... Moss catches in the first quarter of that game a 48-yard touchdown pass from Johnson. In the second quarter, a 31-yard touchdown pass. Vikings win 31-7. Moss in that game, four catches for 95 yards. So I don't think after week one, nationally, people were like, oh, wow. But here you said to yourself, these aren't the Vikings. Like, those were the meat and potato, you know, a good team. And and Green was, I think, a really pretty good offensive mind. But when you saw them put up 31 on Tampa Bay and just sort of destroy them, you said... Because it it wasn't the fact, Phil, that they scored 31 points. It was how they did it. And Moss immediately basically said, out of my way. Mm -hmm. And so I think locally after that game, you thought... This could be a lot of fun. I just watched a bunch of highlight clips this morning just to kind of refresh. You know, they've got they've got a few full games from that season on YouTube. If you search, you can clearly watch the 98 championship game. They've got the full Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game on YouTube. If you want to go back and watch that, they've also got like a, a an NFL Network half hour special that just does a deep dive into the team. And NFL's YouTube page just has a six minute collection of big time highlights from the season. And that six minute collection is 80% Randall Cunningham dropping back, play-action fake, tilting his shoulders to a 45-degree angle, yep. and just throwing the ball as far as he can. Yep. And Randy Moss running underneath it. Or maybe the pass wasn't perfect, and Moss just jumped over two defenders. It didn't matter. It was the most unique thing you would ever see. Like, Jerry Rice and the San Francisco 49ers put up ridiculous numbers and were an offensive juggernaut for 15 years. But they did it differently. It was it was West Coast. It was a lot of yards after the catch, right? It was, mm-hmm. think about 49ers highlights. It's a lot of Jerry Rice over the middle, 10-yard pass in the air, and then boom, he hits a seam and he runs 30 yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. This Vikings offense, and, the, and and not to say that they were the first offense to ever just like throw deep down the field, because you could argue that Terry Bradshaw to Lynn Swan in the 70s was kind of the same thing, right? Play action fake for the ball on the field. But as far as like, how they scored the majority of their points and how they gained the majority of their yards. It was literally play action, tilt your shoulders, Randy Moss, 40 yards down the field. There was a game. In fact, key question number one here, just to just to get the key questions underway. Your favorite memories of the 1998 season, aside from the obvious Thanksgiving right. massacre in, in Dallas. And I'll start with one. Okay. The next week after... They slaughtered the Cowboys on national TV, and Deion Sanders had the turf toe, and there were some accusations that maybe he just didn't want to play against Randy Moss, and Moss scores the three long touchdowns. The week after that, they faced the Chicago Bears at home. They hung 48 points on the Chicago Bears, just to like back to like a noon game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Randall Cunningham completes 21 passes for almost 400 yards in that game, and Moss goes for three more touchdowns. Like, even the nondescript games for the Vikings, it was, uh oh, just, uh, you know, just Randy Moss, three touchdowns, 100 they, yards. They put 50 on Jacksonville. Just Week 50, 16. They put 50 on yes. them. So, so that was a playoff Jaguars To go team. back here, the, the key thing to the development of that offense, as we saw it by then, was this. Green came from the Walsh coaching tree in San Fran, which was, to what you were saying, Phil, the West Coast, short stuff, yeah. Lots of yak, mm-hmm. all right? But but Denny also knew and incorporated a lot of what, or thoughts from what uh, Joe Gibbs did in Washington. And so, to his credit, he melded them together, 
and basically came up with a a hybrid West Coast, but, but also vertical down the field threat offense, which which he is probably underrated when we talk about offensive minds, uh, because by the time Moss got here, he had sort of, if not perfected, he had married the two thought processes together, and it worked, mm-hmm. and it worked big time. And so when you had Reed, and you had Moss, and you had Carter, and you had Smith, you had all of these different things. And I think in Green's case, he basically had Chris for a long time, and it was good, but he needed that dynamic threat. And when Moss fell, and to this day, it's amazing he fell that far. It's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. When Moss fell that far, Denny, I think, said, that's it. And so from week one, or, or heck, from training camp, day one, you went from from the thought process of what Green wanted to do or thought he could potentially do with the right people to he had the right people. If Moss hadn't fallen, they'd probably take a defensive player, right? Because they had, like at the time, they thought Brad Johnson was their franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. He had been the starter for the last year. He was the starter throughout 97 and... And then he was the starter uh, for a few games in '96, but like he had kind of come up through their yeah, pipeline. Three games, yeah. Uh, and so I don't, I don't think they would have been drafting a quarterback in the first round. They already had two wide receivers. They already had a ton of offensive line talent. So they probably drafted a defensive player. Probably. And the '98 Vikings are probably nine and seven, ten and six, pretty good again. And and I, I will always say this, and I have zero proof, but I believe it to be true. I believe that one of the primary reasons why Denny stopped Randy's fall was based on the draft, I believe it was three years before that, when Warren Sapp fell. Because it broke that he had, oh my God, smoked pot. Yeah. And that's, and that's funny 20 Warren, years later. Warren Sapp fell to the Vikings and they took whom? Derek Alexander. Mm-hmm. And one pick after that, Tampa Bay takes Sapp. And I always thought there's a lesson there. Okay, if the guy's done something off the charts terrible and is arrested, you don't draft him, right? But if there's a guy with with what we still to this day called, well, there's some character concerns there, and he's as good as Moss was, you shouldn't care. Yeah, as Matthew Collar, our friend, would say, always draft the weed guy. He's right about that. And and the Vikings drafted the weed guy in Randy Moss. They drafted the weed guy in Percy Harvin, and that worked out for a few seasons. Exactly right. And you know what? If it's slightly worse than weed, let's say they took a substance beyond that, you might want to still consider it if the guy's it's name the, is Randy the Moss. talent to baggage ratio. Exactly right? right. So, all right, key question number two. I'm going to give you the all-time rankings in offensive points scored in a season, and you tell me if this is where the Vikings should stand or if, if it should be different. So when they broke the record, they were the number one scoring offense in the history of the NFL. And now they're third. The 2013 Broncos became the first team to score over 600 points in a season. They scored 606 points with Peyton Manning. The 2007 Patriots scored 589 points. The 98 Vikings, 556. And then the 1983 Redskins scored 541 points. So they broke that record, okay. The 1999 Rams, by the way, 526 points. So 30 fewer points than the Vikings. They went 13-3 and in the regular season. But the difference is, and the reason why people remember the 99 Rams' greatest show on turf Probably a little bit more than the Vikings because they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But by most measurements relative to the league and based on talent, I think that 99 Rams team was a notch behind the 98 Vikings, but they paid it off and they won the Super Bowl. So how do those rankings stand up? Where do you think the Vikings rank historically offensively? Hmm. I would say among teams we've seen, that Denver team, I I forget. Um the Patriots team, you can't forget, and that that was certainly a great high wire act that uh, that uh, Belichick and Brady had there. I would say, as far as memorable offensive attacks, I'd put that Vikings team. You know what? I'd probably put it third. I'd probably say the Rams second, the Vikings third. But the important thing was, I think the most important part of the this conversation about that Vikings offense is. Make no mistake, that Vikings offense, I think, changed how people, and most importantly, the league, thought about what offenses could do. Mm-hmm. That was that was the first team to come out in basketball and start launching threes and saying, we don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you had a player like Moss, who was that dynamic and that good, I mean, he was beating, he was beating bad cornerbacks, 
He was beating good corners. And to our point from before, Randall Cunningham, and this is not to take away from him, but he could in that season throw the ball up and be almost 98% certain it was going to be caught by Moss. Think about that. I think the 1998 Vikings are a little bit like the 2004 through 2007 Phoenix Suns. Mike D'Antoni comes out with this fun ball system and says, all right, we got Steve Nash, Quentin Richardson. We got a few other guys. I can't even remember their names. Sean Marion. You guys are just going to stand outside the arc, and Amari Stoudemire is going to be the big guy in the middle grabbing rebounds and cleaning up in the paint. And we're just going to launch threes within eight seconds of the shot clock starting. And if you go back and look at what those sons were doing, it was innovative. People like, there's no way you can, you can't win a championship doing it this way. And like, as it turns out, you can. And Steve Kerr and the Warriors proved that you can win a championship doing it that way. And Mike D'Antoni still is searching for a championship. But Mike D'Antoni kind of paved the way and said, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're literally gonna shoot like thirty threes. And if you think that that's weird, that's your problem. We're gonna change the pace. And you know, Denny Green and and everybody on that team, you know, mm-hmm. Randy Moss and Randall Cunningham, they don't get the full credit because they never won a championship. And ultimately, well, it was a soft team that played indoors, and you could punch them in the mouth, right? Well, yeah, but like if Gary Anderson doesn't miss a thirty-eight yard field goal, no one's calling. The fifteen to one Super Bowl champion, most likely Vikings, a soft team. They're calling it an innovative team that changed the way that you operate offensively. Was that the most the most fun? So, not certainly the most uh, su- successful. Ultimately, Phil, was that the most fun that we've had watching a team in this town? Yes, just as far as because there have been good teams and there have been fun teams. But I think the fact that that team did something that to that time had never been done and had this guy who played a, a position at which you're ordinarily not helpless, but you don't control things, right? Ordinarily, if I if if you are a re- receiver, the quarterback has to get you the ball, and you're somewhat dependent on how he does it. Moss didn't care. I think in my lifetime of watching sports in this town, that will be the single most just just fun because it was a circus it was a high wire act circus show yeah and and consistently throughout the course of those 16 games it was just so damn good it was i mean vikings games are always appointment viewing because there's only 16 of them and so it's just like the nfl is appointment viewing by its nature but that was really appointment viewing i mean the the level of excitement you felt tuning in for just a random game on a sunday at noon against the bengals or whatever like that you brought up that jaguars game that was so late in the season. That was week 16, and it was it was a primetime game. It was one of three primetime games, actually four if you count Thanksgiving. The Vikings had that year. But like I remember specifically being so – I was 13 years old, being so excited for that game because, all right, this, like, this is all going to be on national TV. Everyone's going to watch this, and there's no doubt, even though the Jaguars are a playoff team, mm-hmm. like you knew the Vikings were going to hang 40 or 50 points. I know. Like, you just knew it. And they put 50 points up. It's like, it's the most excited I have felt anticipating Vikings games in my entire life. And we're not going to dip too much into the, in the 98 championship game because we'll do a full episode on that. But like the fact that you got even deep into the second half of that game and it didn't even cross my mind that they were going to lose. And that was the weird thing about that. They gave that. you that much empowerment yes. as a fan. They were, th- they were that dominant ordinarily on offense. That's the incredible thing is they were consistently week in, week out. You didn't just expect points. You expected it to be sexy. Like, the assumption was, okay, Moss isn't just going to score a touchdown. He's going to score two 50-yard touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Think about that expectation. To your point about sort of what the 98 offense meant to the NFL, and I, I consider the 1998 Vikings offense directly and indirectly to be a gateway to the offensive era that we see now 20 years later. And if you look at some of the direct connections, the 2007 Patriots went undefeated, and they scored the most points at the time of any team in NFL history, and they literally did it with Randy Moss. Like they, Now, Tom Brady is one of the great quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest, and Bill Belichick, and so like they had their own way of doing things, but like they literally took what the Vikings did in 1998. They took the same guy that they did it with, yep. and they just did it a little bit better in 2007. 1998 was also the first year of Peyton Manning as a rookie quarterback. And even though there was no correlation with the Vikings, it was it all sort of symbolized, hey, the Vikings have opened up a new offensive era in the NFL, and Peyton Manning is coming into the league. 
The Rams in 1999 basically just did the same thing with a slightly different system. Right. Let's just spread it out on AstroTurf with three wide receivers with a backup quarterback, and let's go crazy. And Falk, too, right? And Marshall Falk, better than Robert Smith. Yeah. So so I think what, what the league saw in 98 from Moss in particular, and what they decided they were going to try and, and work into the game, but they had to change rules, was this. Moss was so damn good, it didn't matter, right? A corner could be draped on Moss, he'd catch the ball. A corner could try to bump Moss, he'd go right by him and catch the ball. I think the league probably wisely said, how can we set up the rules so more guys can try to do and have a legitimate shot at doing what Randy is doing, but there's 99% of the guys in this league who who can't do it by themselves. So how can we help them do it? So now that they start to enforce rules, so basically it became, how can we take the Moss template and copy that as close as possible for guys who don't have near the skill? They might be really good, but mm-hmm. they don't have near that skill. And try and get as many guys, so if the quarterback from the Tennessee Titans throws the ball up, the receiver from the Titans has a chance to catch it because that's fun, and that's and that's what fans love. And the other thing about this team, make no mistake, the other thing about this Vikings team in this town that became so important is if you could go back now and do a survey and find out how how many now, not young at this point, but how many people that season became Vikings fans who didn't care before? Yeah, it's it's my whole generation. I was born in 1985, was obviously a Vikings fan leading up to that point, but mostly was sort of a, like I was a Vikings fan, but I could have, sort of just resented that they couldn't beat the Cowboys and the 49ers. And it's like the Packers had just won a Super Bowl. And right. you're like, all right, this is great, but... You know, the Twins just won a title a few years ago. Like, why can't the Vikings get to the next level? And all of a sudden, they do in nineteen. Yeah, why are the Twins so good? Yeah, well, the Twins in nineteen ninety eight were a dumpster fire. Yeah. So the Vikings had that going too. Okay, Declan, I think found. Do you do you remember the Red McCombs Purple Pride song that the Vikings pumped out and like radio? I remember I the Purple Pride like radio stuff. stations pumped it okay. out. I think Declan found. I them. think this is it. Nice. I don't know if this is it or not. Okay. What does it say on YouTube? You can't hide from the purple pride. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I don't know if this is it or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't think this is it, but it's still amazing. I have no recollection. There was of that. one. Thank I think God. it was KDWB yeah. at the time did one that was like, "We're going to Miami." It was yep. that Will oh, yeah. Smith song. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, there's that too. Yep. Um, yeah. Next key question for you, and then Jake Reed is going to join the show here to tell some stories and uh, talk about the 1998 Vikings. So, Randy Moss's breakout. There's different different people have different opinions on which game was the actual breakout. What game from that season would you consider the Randy Moss breakout? Is it pa- the Packers game at Lambeau? The Nash cuz that that was that was a Monday night game I want to say. It so was that Monday was national game. TV. Yep. But you also had the Thanksgiving October game. 10. Yep. Um for me without a doubt the Packers game. He catches he catches touchdowns of 52 and and 44 yards in that game. Catches five passes for 190 yards. Cunningham throws for 442. Jake Reed, four catches for 89 yards in that game, including a 56-yard catch. And here's why. The Dallas game was arguably, I think, more impressive, ultimately. But the reason why the Moss game, to me, is the breakout game, is it's a Monday night national TV game, and that told everybody in the country... This is not an ordinary player. So, so to me, you're, you're playing, you're playing in Green Bay. You're playing a team that your fan base absolutely hates. And on a national, um, spotlight game, Moss as a rookie comes out and does that. And Cunningham, as I recall, those two touchdowns were, were vintage Cunningham to Moss, you know, high arcing passes come down and Moss catches the two touchdowns. So, I get the Dallas game, but I will always go back to that Packer game as signifying to the country that this is a that this is an offense with a special player that is going to do something. That's probably the game. I mean, a hundred yards. Game I get to 
You know, Randy, this is this is the funny thing about Randy's 1998 season, and I, you know, just going back and looking, you know, teams did find a way to shut him down a few times. You know, he didn't. He only racked up 69 catches, and it wasn't really until like the last five weeks of the season that he really like he had up until week 11. Mm-hmm. He only had one game of over 100 yards. And that was the Packer game for 190 yards. Now he had an 89 and 95. There was a 99 yard game against Cincinnati. And there's touchdowns too. But then the, like the real breakout in terms of, okay, now the yardage is flowing and now he's like, he's just getting the ball more. The home game against Green Bay, where if people remember, I actually tweeted this photo out at Phil Mackey before the show started. It's that iconic photo where he catches a deep pass and there's a Green Bay defender falling on the ground at the goal line and he kind of like, Prances into the end zone with the ball out, and he's doing, he's almost doing like a hurdler's yep. prance into the end zone. Yep. So that was his second 100 yard game of the season. It came on November 22nd. He caught eight passes for 153. Then the Dallas Thanksgiving game was the next week. Three catches only, but for 163 yards, and all three were touchdowns 51, 56, 56. And then he came back the next week against Chicago at home. Eight catches, 106 yards, three touchdowns. Yep. Baltimore on the road the next week was six catches for 89 yards. And so he he had games in the middle of that season, like against Detroit on the road, two catches for 14 yards. That's yeah, Detroit. Home against New Orleans, one catch for six yards. He had a couple clunkers in there because teams just kind of found a way to not let him get loose deep. But did you and find I, another one? No, I, I found the KDWB one. We got a couple listeners to send us the we're going to Miami one. Can we play that? Well, we'll give I, well, I full know, credit we? to KDWB okay, yeah. from 20 years 20, ago. 20 plus years. 22 <laughs> years ago? Have at it. All right, this is it. If it wants to play. Everybody in that locker room will tell you that. They wanted to just be division champ. There's nothing about division championship. It's all about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, Cunningham. Lobs to the end zone. Moss goes up with one hand. Thank you very much. This just in. The Minnesota Vikings, they're good. Here I am in the cities where it gets real cold with my team on the birds. There it is, right there. <laughs> I, I even, that, uh, yeah. my uncle somehow got a hold of, you know how they obviously distribute the hats, you know, at the NFC Championship game because they have them for both teams, just like they do for a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he had, a, he had one of the, the 1998 NFC Champion Minnesota Vikings hats. Oh, that's valuable. Yeah, I got to imagine it's, it'd be worth hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands. I don't know. Okay. I would actually be interested in getting my hands on one of those. Or just filled with tears now. Yeah. Just a stained. Tear stains. Floating hat. Stained with tears. tears. 22 years ago. All right. A couple things when we get back here. We will talk to Jake Reed and we'll go behind the curtain and, and talk about the greatest offense, excuse me, <clears throat> in the history of the NFL at the time, the 1998 Minnesota Vikings. And also, Brad Johnson got injured and Randall Cunningham took over and wound up winning the NFL's Player of the Year award and had maybe the best season of his career. What happens if Brad Johnson is just the starting quarterback for the Vikings all season? Do the Vikings still go on to be 15-1? and one? Are they better? Brad Johnson was pretty good. Do they beat the Buccaneers in that I don't game know. in Tampa? We'll see. We'll talk about that as well. This is Minnesota Sports Rewind on Score North and the Score North app and podcastable and also very bingeable with uh, 16 episodes right now. Apple, Spotify, Score North app. Just search Minnesota Sports Rewind. You can help spread the word about the show as well by just simply giving it a five-star rating and a review of some kind. We really appreciate it. Go tell two or three friends that we're doing this every Tuesday and Thursday on Score North at 11 o'clock and also video streaming on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind. You're listening to Minnesota Sports Rewind. You're listening to Minnesota Sports Rewind. And I think the good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. And that's what we really got to have. That's got to really be our trademark. Three teams have been 15-1 in the history of the National Football League. All right? Give yourselves a round of applause. 1998 was a magical ride for the Minnesota Vikings, a year in which they rejoined the NFL's elite and stunned the football world with one of the great seasons of all time. All right, welcome back to Minnesota Sports Rewind. We're doing our first 1998 Vikings episode. I don't know how many there's going to be, but we figured there's no way we can cram all this into just one hour. It's one of the most prominent seasons in Vikings history. Absolutely. So we figure uh, 
we're all living quarantine life right now. We all need a little uplift. So let's let's talk about the fun part of the 1998 season, which is the greatest offense in history. We do dive into some of the bad part with Jake Reed here. We uh, we talked to Jake a little bit earlier in the week and just got his thoughts on playing on that team, the arrival of Randy Moss, what it felt like at the end of the season. So this is Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, our conversation with Vikings great wide receiver Jake Reed. All right. He caught over 400 passes with the Minnesota Vikings, four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, and he ranks fourth on the Vikings' all-time receiving yards list. Jake Reed joins the show. Thank you, Jake, for taking some time out of your day. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. And, uh, hey, it's always good to know someone still want to talk to you after 20-plus years. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, that 1998 season wasn't memorable for any reason, so I can't imagine why people would be interested. But So when, when you think back to the 1998 season, Jake Reed, how do you think that team stacks up historically? Obviously, if you guys had won the Super Bowl, I think we'd, it would be a totally different conversation around the country in terms of ranking the all-time great teams. But uh, from from the 15-1 and season and what you guys accomplished, how would you stack that team up against other teams in NFL history? Well, I would stack the offense up against anybody offense throughout history. I think our biggest problem, we struggled on defense. We didn't have a super, super defense. We had, like, John Ryan on the line. I think our secondary kind of struggled a little bit. I think that would kind of killed us in, on the back end, some of our secondary guys. And I know some of the older guys in line, they probably, they see me, they probably uh, go at me uh, because of it. But I think our offense will, could stack up against anyone. I think just overall, overall as we played with, uh, with a team, we should be in the top ten. I think it didn't end the way we sh- we thought it would end. I think that I don't think we got overconfident. I think we just got careless at some point throughout the game and just let them let, let them back in. So, Jake, how, how much you know t- talking about that '98 Vikings offense? And it, this might sound like hyperbole, but I don't think it truly is. How much did that offense change football too? Because you know, up until then, we certainly saw good offenses. But now we had you and Randy and Chris and Cunningham, and it, it's almost like to me as a football fan that you can draw a line. And the league looked at that and that offensive explosion, and that team was so much fun, and said, "Let's do more of that." And almost started to sway the rules towards that. How, how much do you think that you guys offensively helped to shape the league as we know it now with dynamic offenses? Well, I think it shaped a lot. And one thing you know, you just can't have one good receiver. It, it, the, uh, the way the way the lead is now, and what we set it up, it, we came in the game. Who are you gonna guard? Who are you gonna double? Me, Chris Moss. If you double, if you double Moss and try to bracket Chris, I, I was I was on one side. If you did the vice versa, double me and bracket Chris, Moss was gonna kill you. And you know, Moss attracted a lot of attention. So you just couldn't leave him one on one. You couldn't come up and play press man on him with no help over top. And, you know, you know what that would be. That would be six. So I think it kind of shaped a lot, and people went through it. And like now the, the lead is so wide open, and that's why you see more safeties and DBs on the field now because they really – it's almost like a pass for a run second lead. You know, the, the, the fullbacks is obsolete. Not many teams use fullbacks anymore. So I think it kind of shaped it a lot. When did Jake Reed look around – the field, either in training camp or practice or a game, and realize that 1998 was going to be a special season for the Vikings? Well, uh, I think as we went down, I think the team was pretty close uh, as, a, as a group, and, um, and and we were fun. But when we got Brandon Moss, I think it just took the whole everything to a whole other level. The people don't realize the whole the '98 season. I started the whole season. I come off my fourth straight start thousand yard season, and Dennis Green just didn't bench me because we got Moss. Moss worked his way in now, and I think Moss' first starting game. You got to look back with the Cowboys game, and Moss uh, had three catches, three touchdowns, and I don't know. Remember, I had back surgery that year in '98. Yeah, I had back surgery, and I got the hospital on. Thanksgiving Day. I made sure. I told him I need to go out to the hospital because I want to watch the game at home. <laughs> and once I get, I got the hospital on Thanksgiving Day, early that morning, I'm sitting in the chair, 
and I'm watching the game because, you know, they were pumping up Deion Sanders down there. They didn't know if he was going to play because of his toe. And they would say, random mouth, if he played, can he cover Deion? Can Deion cover mouth? And I was like, oh, I need to be at home watching the game. And when I saw Randy catch three, uh, three passes, three touchdowns with all them yards, I knew my, I knew I was the third receiver after that day. Hey, you, you mentioned, I mean, the, the back surgery. I mean, you were basically from that Dallas game on forward. You were banged up. The team was progressively more banged up too. Just after that Falcons game, you know how many guys were maybe even out for potential Super Bowl. But if if you guys had stayed healthy and if you had gone on to play the Broncos in the Super Bowl, what do you think happens in that Super Bowl? I would have beat the Broncos. They didn't have enough uh, firepower for us, and I don't think they secondary could have covered us. You know, when I came back, I think I came back a game too early. I think I ended up playing, I played a little bit in the Arizona game to play Arizona before that. And I said, you know, let me get out there and see how my back feel before we go to the, uh, the NFC Championship game. And I should have waited to that game. And I didn't play in the Atlanta game. I think they ended up playing Matthew Hatchett. And, uh, and they covered in the second half, came out, they made some adjustment. I think they double marked, they bracket Chris in the slot. And, you know, you know, our other guy just couldn't get open. I think if I had been healthy, they couldn't have, they, they couldn't have ran the defense they run uh they ran to uh shut us down in the second half. Yeah. What's um what's what are one of your one or two of your favorite stories or memories that are safe for radio that aren't gonna get anyone too incriminated, but <laughs> maybe maybe a little incriminated. Maybe a little incriminated. What are what are a couple uh, of your favorite stories? Uh what, just football or with the Vikings? I would say behind the scene, anything behind the scenes that that fans and and us wouldn't have wouldn't have otherwise known if not for you telling the story. Oh man, I have a lot of stories, but I, I keep them pretty much close to heart because those are my boys, you know. Uh, but but we uh, some of the stories is, is you know just I love some of the things just hanging out in the locker room playing dominoes, uh, playing chess, and uh, and you know. You know, the married guy's wife calling and trying to see when we come home and we <laughs> stuck in uh, gambling and playing chess and dominoes and stuff like that in cars. And I'm going home two hours late, you know, after work because I'm in there playing cars. But all the other good stuff, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep those. <laughs> Fair enough. So you, you pl- keep all the good stuff. So, Jake Reed, you played the position and you've seen through the course of your time playing and lifetime a lot of good to great ones. Where does Randy Moss rank as far as wide receivers that you've seen play? He's one of the best, if not the best. Randy was scary. The thing is, the people don't doesn't realize, you know, when a guy get, uh, you know, get his own name like Moss, people, you know, kids run around saying you got Moss. <laughs> you know, that is big time. You know, you know, even to this day, young kids, you know, when two young and see Randy Moss play, when they jump over someone's head, they say, "Man, you just got Moss." And but Randy was scared. You couldn't, you couldn't play bump and run on him. I, I can remember uh, we'd have like a slant route on, uh, a, a five yard start route. Randy come off the ball. If he see him up close, he just keep running. I can remember he tell Ronda, "I'm not running no start route at five yards and got in the eight. If he had eight yards, he, if, if I come off the ball and the guy eight yards, I'm running past him. We were like, man, come on, let's do the eight yards. You're not going to run past him. He said, if I throw my hand up, that means throw the ball as far as you can throw it. And I can remember Randall said, man, if I throw the ball, you won't catch it. He said, man, throw the ball as far as you can throw it, and I guarantee you I'm going to run up on you. And I can remember Denny Green said, hell, Randall, hell, uh, Randall just throw it to it. <laughs> hey. I remember that. We were like, man, come on. And when Moss come off the ball, if he get up on you like a yard or two yards, you can be in your back up, he's going to throw his hand up. He throw his hand up before he get past the guy. <laughs> and he just run right past him. And we were like, wow, this kid can run. Yeah, he he can run. But for his lifting weights, I know he came in. He didn't like lifting weights. Uh, I didn't know they. I didn't realize they didn't really lift weights at Marshall like that. Uh, or he didn't have to lift weights like that. And I went with him and received the group, and he was like, "Man, you guys got to do this every uh, two days a week. Lift weights." He said, "Man, I just want to play football." And Chris Carter said, "Man, but we got to lift weights too." 
it was kind of fun. And Moss brought a different energy to us. And I think that he brought a different energy to the whole team. And when you have a guy like that on the team in 98, and, and you have Lowdy, Robert Smith in the backfield, and all the, you know, uh, big Randall McDaniel on the line, and John Randall on defense, you got all these different characters. And we just felt like we could win. And 98 felt like a, a, a rock show. Everywhere we went, people were wanted to see us. It was just, it was a great feeling to have. And you made it made us want to go out there and win for the fans of Minnesota, win for the Vikings fans, and do our thing. Yeah, uh, Jake Reed. I know how we all felt as as spectators watching Gary Anderson miss his only kick of the season wide left. What was? I mean, I know you weren't playing in the game because of because of the injury, but you know what? What was your thoughts? Did you think, oh my gosh, the game is in question now, or was? You know, what was it like watching that kick sail wide left? That was tough because he had to miss the kick all year. Yeah. And to watch that, it was like a old moment. Like, oh, now we got to get out here and play. Because, you know, we think, oh, Gary's going to kick this. You know, we're going to be done. But I think that kick gave them life. I think that kick gave them life. But the fumble right before halftime really gave my life. If you guys remember the fumble right yeah. before halftime. Oh, really yeah. Did. Yep. And they went in and scored. I think if that hadn't never happened, I think uh, they, they would have came back out defeated. You know, but mm-hmm. I think after they got that fumble and went in and scored, I think they came out like, hey, we got a chance. We're in it. You know, and sometimes you don't got to, you know, give uh, 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 a team one good punch and they start feeling like they can, they can win the game. And that, that's what we gave them right before halftime, that one punch. Because they hadn't done anything the whole first half. You know, I think they had quit up until that, that fumble uh, and, and they score right before half. Chuck Smith beat Todd Stucy, Jake Reed. I'll never forget it. Um, how much at, at this point in time in your life do you think back on that game and when when you do see guys like uh, like Moss and uh, Chris, who, who I, I know you saw here for the first time in a long time when the Vikings played the Packers in December, how much do you guys still talk about that? Because I think of all uh, Vikings teams, 2009 was certainly perceived, and rightfully so, as a lost opportunity. But I think the Vikings team that so many people now who were young then uh, still talk about is that Vikings team, just because it was so good, so dynamic, and obviously 15-1. and one. Well, you know what, that game, we don't talk about it as much, but I think the only thing I think we said about it, you know, when you get an opportunity to win a championship, uh, a Super Bowl, you got to get it because they come far and through in between. And that was our time. And, you know, with, with all the prayers that we had on that, we never could be able to redupl- uh, duplicate that the, the, the next year. Uh, people leave, uh, things are different, other teams get other players. But I tell you what, I think we talked about, you know, how good we was for us, the three deep poster. I think everybody, even now, we want to send me stuff when we sign uh, a three deep poster. Um, so I think we just had some fun time. Uh, you know, we got together. It was good, like a family reunion. It has been a long time since we actually all three been together uh, up on the one roof. Uh, it was good. It was good seeing them guys. Hey, when, when that game got done um, against the Falcons, and I know it was upsetting to lose, but big picture, did you guys think that, that it was a missed opportunity and that it might have passed and been gone? Or being athletes and young at that time, relative speaking, did you guys foresee that this might be, I don't know, two or three more years of potentially making runs at Super Bowls? What, what was the feeling in the aftermath of that loss to the Falcons? The feeling was devastating. I'm sorry. It was almost like uh, a family member passed or something. It was just like stumbles. The locker room was quiet. I don't think anyone really blamed Gary Anderson for missing the kick. I know I didn't. No one really got on him. But we were such a team. Things happened, you know. Um, but I tell you what, it was a uh, – sad moment in the locker room, but also to answer your question, I thought that 
we will go back and repeat the next year. We have the talent. We have the team. What can be different? I thought we were only going to be better the following year. But, you know, the following year, what, uh, what happened, I think, that's the year that, you know, um, I'm not sure. About that's when the, that's when the St. Louis Rams came out of nowhere and uh, yeah that's when they came out of yeah. nowhere yeah and that is that is that the same year uh, uh, Curry Stringer passed uh, that was I think that was like two thousand or two thousand one yeah two thousand two yeah 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 so I'm, I'm a little ahead of myself yeah uh, so but it was uh, it was like it was crazy I just think that we kind of just. Um, Everybody was sick about that game. It took it took me a long time to get over that. It took me a long time to get over it. And sometimes um, I hate uh, even talking to some of the guys that I may run into, you know, and ask me what happened if they played on another team, you know, to stop them or something like that. I know I ran into Ray Crockett years ago. Uh, like I ran him like two years after, like in 2001, 2002, and we were talking about that thing, and I told him we would have beat him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Ray Crockett at the time played for Denver, the mm. cornerback for Denver. Yeah. Well, Jake, listen, man, it's been it's been great just catching up with you, and I know I was I was one of the devastated 13-year-old kids in 1998 <laughs> that had the three-deep poster on his wall, too, and it's a, it's a season for... For a lot of reasons that I think a lot of us will never forget, and uh, we just appreciate you coming on and telling stories and, and giving your thoughts and reflecting from 20 years ago, man. Oh, yeah, it's fun. You know, anytime I can give it a talk, talk to about it with some of the fans, uh, it's always amazing. And maybe one day when some of these stories get a little old, I'll come give you some of the, the good the good dirt that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We'd love to hear it. All right. Thank you. Jake Reed, man. Take care. All right. All right. You guys take care. Special thank you to Jake Reed for coming on the show here, Minnesota Sports Rewind. And we've got a few minutes left here in this episode, which has centered around the 1998 Vikings offense, the greatest offense at the time in the history of the NFL. And so this is the last, we might have time for two key questions, but this is the last key question here potentially. Does Brad Johnson have the same success that season if he stays healthy as Randall Cunningham did? I thought of this question. And the interesting thing, Phil, is I don't know if I have a good answer for that question. Because Brad Johnson at that time was really good. He was. And he threw the touchdown passes opening um, week one opening day against Tampa Bay and looked really good and got hurt. My sense is, just off the top of my head, pure guess, yes. I think Brad Johnson has a great year. I do, too. And I don't, like, does he have know, an MVP caliber year, yes. which is what Cunningham Yes, has. I think he probably think does. so, too. He was a really good, solid uh, QB and to Cunningham's credit, he stepped in and played great. But if Brad Johnson doesn't get hurt, and I believe he got hurt Week One against uh, Tampa, and then he tried to come back about Week Ten against the Saints and broke his thumb. Uh, if Brad Johnson doesn't get hurt, yes, I think he has an outstanding MVP worthy. Might not have won it, but MVP worthy type of season based on that arsenal of receivers around him. Okay, did he refresh my memory? Did he? So he gets hurt early. I'm just going to pull Sprained up. Sprained ankle early, broken thumb against the Saints of the Metro. But did they, so in week 10 did they say, "Hey Randall, no. thanks for all the work." Cunningham but, got hurt the week before that. That's hurt, right. hurt his knee. That's right. Uh Johnson started week 10 and then Johnson broke his thumb and Cunningham I think came back up for part of that Saints game and then officially then was reinstated and became the starter for the rest of that season the next week. So Brad did start the first two games. So his for the first game of the season he went fifteen of twenty five for a buck eighty nine and four touchdowns. And then the game at St. Louis, it was uh he was eighteen of thirty one for two oh eight, a touchdown, two interceptions. Randall Cunningham was just such a unique arm talent and obviously the peak of his career was ten years, eight, ten years earlier and he was a different type. He was more mobile at the time, but could still throw the ball down the field with the Eagles. And I think Cunningham winds up having a better season than Brad Johnson would have. But it is interesting to speculate on what Brad Johnson's career could have looked like. Now, he he went on to become the starting quarterback with Washington, put together a couple good seasons, then became a Super Bowl champion quarterback with Tampa Bay with help from, at yeah, the time, maybe the greatest defense of all time. Yeah, that was a different story. But like if if he sits in and throws 30 touchdowns with the 1998 Vikings and he has Randy Moss... He, and he doesn't had, get traded. He's in the middle of his prime. Cunningham was older. Brad Johnson was only 30 years old at the time. Like Brad Johnson becomes the Vikings franchise quarterback. Correct. They don't draft Culpepper, Dante Culpepper. Which they took with the Brad Johnson pick. Right. 
So just oh, it's totally like different. The, the ripple effect of his career, he would have been, he would have been known as sort of the Vikings franchise quarterback throughout that early 2000s yep. period. And don't forget too, Johnson was traded to Washington based on on the fact that Cunningham had played so well. 99 starts and Cunningham struggles. And, and I believe that's the game. It was the game in Detroit where Superstar told us the story that um, Cunningham went to Denny and said, lift me. I just can't play. Yeah, it's amazing. And so that changed the entire thing. And, and of course, if Denny had known that Cunningham was going to fall off, I don't think he trades Brad in the first place because yeah. Dante didn't play. or I think he played in one game in 99. But the point being is the ripple effect is huge because the question then becomes if Brad Johnson doesn't get hurt in 98 and he plays and plays well, how long is Brad Johnson the Vikings starting starter for in consecutive years then? See, it, but see, the thing is, like Cunningham was going to be 36 years old going into 1999. It he's coming off... So there's four different MVP. Like, the AP MVP is the one that's recognized. And I right. believe there's Terrell the Max, Davis... There's the Maxwell Award is the one, I think, that Cunningham... Yeah, he won the Player got, of the Year, and yeah. then he won, like, another offshoot MVP. So he's yeah. coming off a borderline MVP season. Absolutely. But he's 36. Brad Johnson was only 30 years old. The Like... The Vikings were going to try and just run, let's just run it back. Hey, let's just bring the band yeah. back together. Let's run it back. It's the same thing they did in 2010. <laughs> like running it back doesn't work in football. You can't just run it back. Guys, the, the dynamic you, changes. But we didn't think that back then. No, it's a total second guess. Now we total know that. Insight. Yes. Now, now, but back then we thought, oh, Cunningham's unbelievable. Yeah, trade Brad Johnson. Total hindsight. Take Culpepper. Yes. Final thoughts on the 1998 Vikings offense. Anything we. Left off the board here. I don't think so. As fun as fun of offensive group in this town in any sport as you will see ever. I think maybe followed second by the 2019 Twins prolific home run offense. Yeah, but just as far as popping up, Moss unbelievable talent. That's as much fun as you will have. I think on a Sunday to Sunday basis watching a unit that dominates. In, in the thing, in one of the things, I should say, that's probably the most fun in sports to watch, which is an offense that essentially, at least for 16 weeks, can't be stopped. It's the most fun I've ever had watching the Vikings. It's also the most soul-crushed I have ever felt at the end we'll of a Vikings We've season. almost avoided that completely, except yeah. for the Jake Reed So interview. this has been part one of an undetermined amount of parts <laughs> of the 1998 Vikings. Therapy. The 1998 Vikings offense. Thanks to Jake Reed for joining the show. This has been Minnesota Sports Rewind. I'm Phil Mackey. That's Judd Zolgad. Declan Goff producing... And you can find new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday and maybe even more wherever you find podcasts. Minnesota Sports Rewind, Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app.